You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hey, Dolphins, this is Michael Fink with the FinFans Podcast. Each week we come to you and bring you our opinions on what's going on within the Dolphins organization. During the season, you'll hear two shows each week where we review and preview each game. We shoot straight from the hip and have fun in doing so. We'd like to thank both the Dolphins Talk Network and the Pigskin Podcast Network for their support. Uh, Make sure to check them out. It's truly appreciated. All right, let's uh, kick off today's show. And it's another FinFans podcast. Uh, With me this evening is Daniel Reinhardt. What up, FinFans? How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. How are you doing tonight, Mike? I'm doing good. Yeah, it looks like it was interesting some- today. We, you know, we had the interviews at the combine. Both uh, McDaniel and, and Chris Greer talked. Uh, we're going to focus on McDaniel mostly, though, uh, because he had more to say. Yeah, I think he he talked for like a half hour straight. So, <laughs> you know, pretty good interview, and uh, you know, it touched on a wide variety of subjects as as the reporters usually do. So, uh, some interesting stuff here. Yeah, absolutely. I I always like hearing McDaniel talk to be honest. And uh, he had some interesting things to say. Um, First, before I get into what he said, I started off with uh, CBS Sports because they ranked the quarterbacks and uh, they ranked 2017th. And here's what they said as to their reasoning. Uh, They said he flashed top 10 ability in, in his first work under McDaniel, showing more willingness to air it out. But the youngster is still heavily dependent on time mid range throws. More importantly, he's one of the biggest medical risks of the entire league after his concussion riddled 2022. Miami almost certainly needs better insurance. Any thoughts on that, Daniel? Yeah, honestly, if we look at what Tua did for that stretch, he flashed top five potential. I mean, he really took his game to a whole nother level that a lot of us Dolphins fans just didn't see coming. And honestly, it had a lot of the media talking heads spinning on their head as well because nobody's seen that coming. So it shows, first of all, with the proper work, what he can do and what he could do with McDaniel at the helm. Now, obviously, we got to worry about the concussion thing. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that again today. But I tend to agree it's going to be very important for us to bring in a backup quarterback who is worth his salt. Here's the problem for me with that is that we don't expect, I mean, we don't hear, I don't think, at the FinFans podcast, and we, as Dolphins fans, don't expect us to not be suiting up Skylar Thompson. So we know that it's tough to suit up three quarterbacks every game day unless a change to the rule is coming with the rosters on game day, which because of the concussions, because of the independent neurologist and and these guys getting taken out of games after a stumble, that's something that we could definitely see happening. I would expect them to take a real long, hard look this offseason at increasing, uh, you know, at least making a roster spot available on game days for a third quarterback. Because if not, we're going to be suiting up Skyler. Because we're not letting him go to a practice squad. He's going to need to be on an active roster or we're not going to have him anymore. So while I think it's really important we bring a backup in because we do have to worry about the medical risk with Tua, I, I don't know exactly what we're going to do there yet. What do you think? Well, I, 
I think there's a lot of questions, you know. Number one, do we have the money to sign a decent backup quarterback? That's the first question. Uh, you know, are you going to prioritize that over a linebacker, over a cornerback? I don't know, you know. So it's really going to be a matter of what kind of uh, magic they can make with the uh, salary cap. Yeah. And then who do you go after? Do you go after a, a Car Carson Wentz? or I mean, who do you go after? Man, I really am not a Carson Wentz fan. Marcus Mariota? I Mariota has some skills in his own offense, and he can do some of the things that other quarterbacks can't do. But I'm not a huge fan of his offensive game either. Is there a backup out there you are a fan of? I think for me, my biggest, the one that I would like to see the most is Gardner Minshew. Uh -huh. I think Gardner Minshew, not only does he have moxie, I think he's a good leader. I think that he has some experience starting where if he's thrown into the game, it's not going to be too much for him. And he's, he's shown some, some capabilities of winning football games. So I don't think he'll be too overly expensive. And I think he's one of the best backups in the game right now. That would be the guy that I'd be going after, assuming, you know, assuming that we don't see those same characteristics in Skyler. Because we'll talk about it, but he, he is going to continue to improve. Now, Greer said today, you know, with, with the injury history that two has had, it won't necessarily prevent the Dolphins from giving him a long-term contract extension. He says he can't say there are no concerns about Tua's durability, but it's not something that's going to make us afraid to sign him. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that those words ring well in every Dolphins fan's ears. Well, it's, it's kind of double talk, you know? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit, you know? But, uh, you know, if you take it at face value, what he's saying is it's not a bother to them, you know? But I think if I'm shelling out quarterback money, it would it would be a problem to me. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's something they really have to think in long, long and hard on, you know, before they do make a decision. Now, look, if he comes in and he plays this year and he stays healthy, then that alleviates a lot of the concern. But uh, I think we got to see that. Absolutely. And so there's two schools of thought here. There's, uh, you know, on the one hand, nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? Like. You have to kind of take a risk and to be able to get some reward. And on the other side, you have the, uh, the expect the worst and hope for the best yep. camp. And really, that's kind of where we come in with the whole backup quarterback rule again, too. Because regardless of if you think that it's not a concern on the durability, uh, right now, when you have these conversations in the room, you know, when it's you and the other guys who are helping you make that decision, you have to have that conversation. It has to be a real conversation. You can't pull punches about it. We have seen that uh, that he does not fall well, <laughs> which is a part of it, and uh, he gets gets injured a little too often. A little too often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he's he's so light. They just throw him around. That's that's really what it's been. You know. Yeah. So we're just gonna have to see if this jujitsu helps him. <laughs> I guess yeah. we'll talk about that more later. Yeah, and I and I definitely have some insight on that. So, uh okay. looking forward to it. All right, let's get to McDaniel. Uh in in regard to the decision on Tua and the fifth year option, what role do you think concussions and durability should play in that discussion? And his answer is 
I think like any other player, you factor in every variable. I think one thing that when you're talking about these types of situation or decisions, I think it's important to recognize that we have a congruence of interest by the Dolphins and the player, Tua. That both parties really want him to play at a very high level for a long time for the Miami Dolphins. So what's the best way to really engineer that or to help manifest that? Well, those things are the things that we are kind of weighing in terms of the various options with the same desired end result as Tua would like. So you factor in everything as best you can. But then part of the uh, of this game that we're all involved in is there are some unknowns. So you weigh those and you press forward to make the best decision possible for the organization. What do you take out of that? I mean, it's a lot because he's basically saying that what kind of what I just said, right? You have to take all of those factors into account. But in the end of the day, I think, so if, if I'm reading between the lines, I think that uh, he wants Tua to be there. He says basically as much that the Miami Dolphins want Tua to be there and that Tua wants to be there as well. Right, I, exactly. I think probably, you know, to many people's chagrin, probably the best decision for the organization is to have Tua as the starting quarterback for next season. And Maybe that means bringing him in on the fifth-year option. If not, it's definitely talking about what a contract extension looks like for him. And there's uh, there's a school of thought by some people that say that Tua, not only does he want, want to be in Miami, he doesn't want to play anywhere else. He's a smart guy. He invests his money well. He uses his his contracts with other companies to his advantage. And... Uh, that he could possibly take a little less than what everybody would be expecting from a quarterback out of his class. So hopefully that works out. Well, he fired one agent and hired another one, so I'm not sure he's looking to take less money. We'll have to see how that works out. Yeah, that's Uh, true. But McDaniel went on to say, I mean, what's today's date? It's in February, our deadline. uh, So we'd probably be best served utilizing that time to kind of – that's kind of the way we're approaching it, but that doesn't mean we're spending any long period of time not discussing it. And this is something that Chris Gear and I have been working through and will continue to work through. Now, see, I don't think it's that complicated. You know, I don't think it's something that they need to have 47 different discussions on. <laughs> right, right. You know, I mean, this is a simple question. <laughs> Do you want to commit to this kid or not? Well, the discussion center around what, of our, what are our other options, right? Because you're not going to find your franchise quarterback in free agency this year. A guy like Carson Wentz is not the answer. What do we have for draft capital coming up? And what do we actually have to do in the season to be able to prepare ourselves to draft a quarterback if we're not going to be able to get one in free agency or trade for one? I don't think you, you take all that into consideration because this is the guy for, for you or he isn't. And if he isn't, then you worry about that later. You can't well, worry about that first because if you do that, you're tying your hands together and you can't do a thing. You maybe you're right. Stay bad to be bad? No. <laughs> well, definitely not. And I'm definitely not saying not. he's bad. I'm not saying signing him is a bad decision, but I'm saying if that's the decision that you come to, then you make that decision and then you figure out how to go forward. Yeah, maybe you're right, but I think that I think that there are probably some of those conversations being had. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I'm not saying you don't consider it, but I don't think it, it forces your decision. Right. Um, no, I don't think so either. What, what forces your decision is two of the right guy for this offense. Exactly. And can he take us to the next level? Exactly. Can, can he know, not is he only, the guy? <laughs> yeah, is he the guy? Can he not only 
play at the top 10 level for a streak during the season, but can he handle that pace throughout the season and into the playoffs? Well, those are those unknowns he was talking about, you know? Yeah. You'll never know that until he does it. Right. You can only think, you know, you project him to be able to do it, but you still got to do it. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely look at what he did for portions of the season and project that, but then you run into that streak after the San Francisco game where it's just head scratcher after head scratcher. Yep. 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 And that's, that's kind of my problem with it, but you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. McDaniel on the QB room. He says he was happy with what Skyler was able to do under the pretense that he's going to continue to get better. And I think Tua is in a different spot. I think the team is, is in a different spot. And I think there's some competitive advantages that we can bring to the room through free agency, and that's what we'll look to do. At least have some. There will be some competition, regardless of the room, regardless of who we sign. But I think that's something that we're definitely interested in to make the quarterback room better. So basically what he's saying is he's not going to stand pat. They're going to sign somebody. Yeah. As they should. We've already sort of discussed that. Yeah, they definitely should. And it goes, so this is kind of what I was alluding to with Skyler going to continue to get better. But then you also have, you know, we signed Teddy Bridgewater last year. We didn't just do that because he can come in and play. We did that because he's got the experience required to be a benefit to that room. right? And whoever we bring in needs to be a benefit to that room, needs to be able to be a benefit to Skyler as well as Tua and have the experience and the leadership. If he needs to come in and play, he's going to be able to do that, right? So. It's going to be interesting to see what they do in free agency in the QB. Yep. McDaniel on the running back position. I think there are many different types of running backs that can excel in this offense, given whatever their skill sets are. So to me, I just want the team-oriented guys that enjoy getting the ball, fighting for yardage, and trying to win football games as a result. So I'm very open-minded to all the skill sets across the board and just looking for guys that are completely invested in joining our ongoing process to be as good as we can be. (laughs) it's not very often that I see or hear something McDaniel said that I think is just coach speak. This tells me he has no idea what he's going to do. He's Uh, leaving it up to Chris Greer. That's that's what that means. What are we going to do? We don't have a guy on the roster right now. We don't know which free agent is going to be available to us. This is just one of those comments that says, I don't freaking know. You know, whatever their skill sets are, uh, we just watched Chase Edmonds come in and not be successful in Miami. And I think going into the season, everybody here on the podcast thought that he had a chance to be successful. He didn't uh, have the necessary experience in the, uh, the type of offense, but he had a skill set that would lend himself to, to being good. Um, so this is just one of those things that I think McDaniels is just kind of talking He's just giving an answer to give an answer here. Yeah, he does that sometimes. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I I do think they'd be okay bringing the guys they had back. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, look, they're that second part of the comment. Team-oriented guys who enjoy getting the ball and fighting for yardage, right? Right. Uh, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson both are guys that, you know, I would like to see back. So It's up to them. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, McDaniel on Danny Crossman, and, and ba- I'm just going to shorten this up. He, he just basically said that he never thought about firing him. He, he thought the problems were collective and not necessarily the coach's fault. 
Yeah, I I suppose similar to Boyer, I always liked Crossman, but there are definitely some areas that we need to improve there. And I wasn't not surprised that we kept him. I was a little surprised. Yeah, well, I wasn't not surprised. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. that. I was a little surprised as well. Yep. Now, the special teams were really, really bad last year, so I kind of yeah. thought he was a goner. So, you know, but maybe it was just what they were left with, you know, because uh, you don't play all your starters on special teams. So, I mean, they may have been giving him, you know, maybe they liked his approach but didn't like the results, and, and you know, they feel like he can improve. Yeah, we had several issues, you know, coverage issues. We didn't have any big plays out of our – Offensive yep. special teams, Cedric Wilson just wasn't it. And we obviously didn't really put Waddle or Hill back there enough to make a huge difference, and I don't really want to. No, I'm uh, glad they didn't because yeah. I never would have heard the end of it from Lou. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I uh, I didn't really want to see it either, but we need to improve. We need to, to sign some guys that are going to make a difference on special teams. Yep, maybe Greer's listening. Yeah, well, he can listen to this one. We won't be too hard on him. <laughs> All right, what about the same as it applies to your offensive line coach? You did make a change there. He said, so realistically, the way the stuff was orchestrated the previous year, I really needed to get more offensive coordinator work out of Frank Smith, and he was devoted a little too much to the offensive line. And I needed more, selfishly, to alleviate some of the stuff on my plate. And so that was the motivating factor to make that move. Uh, It was basically to facilitate Frank Smith to be able to do what he needs to do, and. allow the offensive line coach to do what he needs to do. Yeah, and I like this answer. This is one of those answers I really like because you got you twofold. He's being honest. You know yep. what I mean? Like that is some some honesty straight out the gate. And honestly, you could we kind of had that idea leading up to the season that Frank Smith was going to have his hands in the offensive line. That's yep. that's where his history is. Yep. So it makes sense that he was doing that. But if he had to focus on that, then maybe you can see some of the issues with the offense because McDaniel, while he is a, a guru, right, he's not the offensive coordinator. So having Frank Smith solely focusing on that is a good thing. And uh, I like to hear that. Yeah. All right. The next topic is, is one that I find amusing as hell. And it, it's the, you know, where they <laughs> get, get behind the quarterback and they push him for the first down like the Eagles did so successfully. Scrum. Here's the question. Uh, There has been some discussion at the league level about some of the quarterback runs that we've seen. From an offensive philosophy standpoint, what do you think of it? And is it something that could catch on? And McDaniel says, I think it's cool anytime someone is able to execute something where the opponent knows it's coming. I don't care who you are, that will be attempted by every team if they could guarantee the rate of success that the Philadelphia Eagles were able to do it at. It isn't the coolest highlight reel of football to watch, but nonetheless, I appreciate what it takes to excel at that. And this is tight, this is all typed wrong. Uh, I appreciate what it takes to excel at that because I'm pretty sure that every team in professional football has attempted the quarterback sneak. Anytime you're entering the grounds of a 100% attempt, that's when one team does it at the level of certainty of outcome that a uh, high percentage. <laughs> There will be attempts to it. So I, I think basically what he's saying there is anytime they're successful close to 100% of the time, other teams are going to copy it. Yeah, absolutely. And if every team starts doing this, there's already talk about them eliminating that. 
right? It's not yep, like it's I've a rugby scrum and they're already yep. talking about getting rid of it. I, look, man, it was super effective. And I don't think that we'd seen anything like it as far as effectiveness. So I don't, th- it's not just a Jalen Hurts thing. You know, Hurts is really good on the ground. And he's no, there really are a couple good. of guys that are. He is, Allen is. There's a few, but most most guys like Tua is not going to run that. No, and we don't want Tua doing that either. No. But uh, no, it, it's the way that they ran that, it was very, very effective. And you get into short yardage, you're just going to do it every time. So I expect to see him make a change with that, honestly. Yep. On game management, I wouldn't be honest if I told you that going into the season, I wouldn't expect some natural learning curve. There's a lot of responsibility that I don't pull any punches. It's a difficult job. That being said, I feel like there are clearly some situations I'd like to have back. There were some situations that I was okay with. I think that really every year for me, I'm going to have a high level of anxiety if I'm not finding stuff that I can't completely get better from. That belief that you're constantly a better version of yourself, that drives me. There are plenty of situations that we had as many pre-snap penalties. I think we led the league in them offensively. So obviously, there's a lot of work to do on that. And we're all excited about rectifying. Uh, Clock management is just another layer of things that I've already began the process of. Call the play faster. (laughs) Yep. And that's basically what he's saying, you know. He he realizes there were some mistakes there, and he's going to do his best to fix them. That's all you can ask. Yeah, and we we expect, okay, so not every coach comes in and does everything right, and clock management is a skill that can be learned, you know. So this is something that he has learned from, and I'm going to tell you one of the things that stands out to me about McDaniel, not only in this statement, but in several others that he makes. He is very self-aware. And he is very humble. And being able to, to admit, not pass the buck, be able to show that acknowledgement, you know, be willing to acknowledge it. Well, he can't uh, hide from it. I mean, everybody knows it was on him. Yeah, but not everybody does it like that. Not everybody is just blatant like, yeah, I'm not good at that. And uh, I think that humility, that those are key traits he for successful leaders. He could have passed leaders. the buck in a sense, Daniel, because he could have he could have said, "Well, we had you know three different quarterbacks playing, sure. and, and you yeah. know, I mean, he could have uh, pointed the finger other places. He he could he have, didn't. and he didn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's look; those are key traits of any successful leader, as far as I'm concerned. You know, that humility you. and that awareness, and I think that he's going to be better, and we should expect him to be better. And when he's better, and we're better around him. Uh, you know, the sky's the limit. All right. So you know what time it is? I think it's uh, Draft Kings of O'Clock. It is. It's time to go to Draft Kings. <laughs> we'll be right back. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with Draft Kings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place the same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. So download the app now and sign up with code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner in the NBA with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. It's void in Ohio, and see the show notes for details. All right. Uh, <laughs> you know, Daniel, 
I just wanted to say, I, I look, I actually looked at my watch when I said yep. that and it's not on there. There's uh <laughs> there's numbers and a couple of hands, but there's no like DK or anything on it. So Chris Perkins wrote an article and it basically was titled dolphins will improve as much as McDaniel improves. And here's what he had to say. The last time we saw McDaniel coaching was in Buffalo in that 34-31 wildcard playoff loss. He was having issues ranging from getting plays to the quarterback to getting the message from coaches upstairs in the booth, whether it was a first down or a fourth down. We all knew McDaniel was going to have some rough spots. He knew it too. To his credit, he's not running from that reality. And he says, I wouldn't be honest if I told you that going into the season, I wouldn't expect some natural learning curve, he said. Then this is just a repeat of what he said in the press conference. But yep. Uh, and, and obviously, uh, Perkins <laughs> listened to the press conference. So for the most part, McDaniel was a successful rookie coach. He made the playoffs. I gave him a B minus as a season ending grade. The problem is you don't typically win Super Bowls with a B minus performance. Uh, this isn't a rip job on McDaniel. I like him and I think he did a good job, but he knows the deal for 2023. Uh, every year for me, I'm, and this is McDaniel talking, he's quoting. Every year for me, I'm going to have a high level of anxiety if I'm not finding stuff that I can't completely get better from, he said. That belief that you're constantly a better version of yourself, that drives me. And again, this is just a this is just from the press conference. McDaniel must improve in-game and in-season adjustments. And we, and we all agree there. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure he will. Yeah, absolutely. And they also asked him about uh, Ogba, and he says he's doing well. You just saw him in the facility, and he, he high-fived me, but I had to jump. He looked great to me. He's been recovering soundly. Uh, Brandon Jones is continuing to work. Nick Needham is in good spirits and has had no setbacks in his recovery. And that's good to hear because that's a concern to me. Yeah, I, I don't um, – I, I agree there. I'm, I don't have high hopes that Needham is going to be ready for the season. But Ogba, I would think, should be. And from what I've seen of Brandon Jones and his recovery, because he's, he's posted some videos here or there, I think, on Twitter. Yep. He looks like he's, he's progressing well. The thing about McDaniel and the B-minus performance that we, we kind of talked about already, we do expect him to get better. And, but it can't just be him needing to be a better than a B-minus. No, minus, the entire right? staff has to get better. Absolutely. And, and the beginning of that article by Perkins, he talked about uh, coaches upstairs and yep. the play calling, getting into different quarterbacks. Uh, we talked about this after that game that we lost the game because of clock management. Thirty-four, thirty-one. We lost in the playoffs because of clock management, and and McDaniel didn't pass the buck. So two is going to need to be better than a B minus. The coaching staff is going to need to be better than a B minus, and uh, we're going to need those injured guys back. Yep, know? they need to they need to know how to do a replay review and get their challenge correct. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the one name I didn't see mentioned was Trill Williams. I'm uh, I'm anxious to see how he recovers, and I would expect him to be back as well because he was he was hurt really early. So yeah, he he should play a valuable role in our secondary this year. He was really showing out. All right, on quarterback Tua Tunga Bailoa doing judo this off season, and then he says jujitsu. Yeah, a uh, couple of weeks ago, quarterback Tunga Bailoa said that he was working on how to fall. Is that something that the team facilitated? And uh, McDaniel says. Something that we had various ideas, some of which I won't repeat because they weren't as good as that one. <laughs> we were willing to go to any length. However, with him getting invested in it and really 
talking to him and hearing how the trainer is invested in him and how he was really into it and getting good results from it, we feel very comfortable in terms of this being the best way to prepare him for the things that he hasn't otherwise been able to prepare for. It's something like a follow-through motion. It's something that we're trying to train, and he's 100% all in, attacking it with vigor and exuberance. Yeah, and I actually love this. Whoever was into his, or the team's ear about getting him into jujitsu. Well, I think you said it was his trainer. It, it's brilliant because one of the things that you don't really, unless you watch a lot of martial arts, and, and I'm also a big martial arts fan, so I, I watch a lot of this stuff. One so of you're the biased. Things, <laughs> no, 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 no. I wouldn't say I'm biased, but what I would say is that what you don't know is that they train, they actually train their people on something called break falling. Uh-huh. And it's techniques that are used to prevent injury when you're falling to the ground. So it, I mean, there are several techniques, but basically you distribute the force of the fall to either your entire body or different areas of your body. It helps prevent injuries. I mean, it, it, it literally helps prevent broken, broken bones, dislocated joints and head trauma. There's, in particular, there's one that I think is very like if you watch, if you watch the the Bengals injury when he threw his arms out and he just smashed his head. Mm-hmm. There's there's a technique that they call it's called the back break fall, and you tuck your chin and try to roll onto your upper shoulder, your upper back, yep. and you use your arms to actually protect your head and. They, they go over this stuff time and time again. They teach proper technique. They do repeated motions, so they develop muscle memory. Uh, it helps with your reflexes. Uh, and one of the things that I think Tua really needs help with is his balance and coordination. Because uh, you see, when he, even when he's out being mobile outside of the pocket, he's not real fluid. He's kind of... Not at all. It, yeah, it at just all. looks funky. So... Being involved in martial arts in particular, but especially jujitsu, they're on the ground or going to the ground all the time. They're always practicing takedowns. They're always getting people to the ground. And, and really, this could, this could be a really effective way for him to be able to learn how to fall safely and reduce these risks. So I, I am abso- absolutely a huge fan of this move by Tua and the staff and the trainer, whoever else got him into it. I, I think it could really help make a difference. Okay. Um, David Ferronas from the Sun Sentinel wrote an article, and uh, he's talking about Byron Jones. And um, you have to look at every option, Greer said. You always have to look at all different scenarios and plan for the best case and worst case scenarios. Right now, we're not making any assumptions on anything and just let him continue to attack his rehab and see what happens. I think we're in a good spot. He's working hard trying to get back into play, and he's been in communication with us through the process. And uh, then it goes on to talk about Jones's contract, which everybody knows is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Miami releases Jones with a post-June 1st designation, it can cut his dead money to about $4.75 million, as opposed to roughly $14.8 million if cut June 1st. But what they don't say is if they choose that option, the rest of that difference goes to next year's dead money. Yeah. So either way, they're paying for it. It's just a matter of whether they want to pay it this year or next year. Yeah. 
Uh, he's under contract with us, Greer said. Right now, uh, defensive coordinator Vic Fangio is back in Florida, kind of looking over the team. So obviously, he's going to have some say in this, I think, with his scheme and what we're doing. And also, we'll talk with Byron, too. So a lot of moving parts right now. Not running around an answer, but that's kind of where we are right now. And, uh, yeah, he's running around the answer because, uh, <laughs> I mean, Jones was accusing somebody of, of doing bad things, and uh, he didn't touch on that at all. So, Yeah, that's, that's the part that really caught me off guard was Byron's tweet, you know. Uh, pretty, it seemed, seemed pretty accusatory, as he said. Do not that. take the pills they give you, he tweeted. Do not take the injections they give you. If you absolutely must, consult an outside doctor to learn the long-term implications. Yeah, and, and it goes That's on. That's pretty damning right there. It goes on in the article, Greer said, you know, he gets along great with our doctors and our team physicians. Right. And uh, we have really great communication with him. And, and uh, you know, I think that's just all. You know, those are the things that Greer is it's supposed to say. It's all double talk. Sure. Yeah, it's just exactly. all the things that Greer is supposed to say. He's got to cover yeah. uh, his own butt. Talked to his agent, had a good conversation, yeah. Greer said. Yeah. With Byron, we've always had great communication. He's a very good relationship with our training staff and doctors. So from our end, we've been really transparent. A lot of really good communication between him, his agent, and our trainers and doctors. Well, that's not what Byron says. <laughs> That's not the uh, feeling we get, and yeah. and honestly, it seemed like there was a lot of distance between him and the team all year. Now, now, who who are we to know? We don't no, know that obviously. stuff, but yeah. we had basically, as a, as a fan base, we had no communication as far as what was really even going on with Byron Jones. So that leads me to kind of feel like Brian, Byron Jones wasn't communicating to the team that they weren't in like in lockstep. And, and honestly, I mean, he says Vic Fangio's back in Florida uh, and, and maybe he's saying, we're going to, we're going to leave this decision up to Vic. And maybe well, he's, maybe he's saying that and already, if he can't run, there's no happen. decision to make. There's not, there's not. I, I think we all are in agreement here, you know, and I wasn't coming into the off season and, and over the last quarter of the season, I expected Byron to be back, but I think we're all in agreement that he's not going to be back. In not if he can't before. run, as simple as that. And even if he can run, if he's not happy with the way he was dealt with here, and I, we don't know that it's here. Right. It could be Dallas he's talking about. We honestly don't know. Uh, so that has to be taken into consideration, too. What doctors is he talking about, you know? Yeah, for sure. You know, it could be ours. It may not. Uh, but McDaniel said throughout the process, Byron's been able to – he's been the conductor of his train, basically. Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins organization, the entire training staff and the medical department has supported him at every turn. So it's obvious where, you know, McDaniel is pointing the finger. <laughs> and that's kind of the feeling that we get, right? Like this has all been how Byron wanted it to be all season. Yeah, well, um, he's the conductor of the train, right? Yeah. That's a lot of, a lot of fans were, were saying that same sort of thing. And uh, I think that it's pretty clear at this point that that's probably the truth. And, uh, you know, I obviously wish him well and hopefully well, the he, truth is probably somewhere in the middle, Daniel. Well, <laughs> I think, I think Byron's decisions kept him away from the team. Even when he was rehabbing, I think, uh, he didn't have a lot of communication with the team and, and they were just there to support him, you know, and, and help him any way they can. And, 
we don't know the truth and it could be a thousand different ways, but I and we don't know like the pills or the injections or, no, or anything no. else. So it's very hard to comment or, and take sides when you don't really have the necessary information to do so. Yeah. And I'm definitely, I don't want to sound like I'm taking sides and honestly, you know, wish nothing but the best for Byron. Hopefully he fully recovers and you know, this doesn't affect the rest of his life. Forget about football. You know, hopefully this doesn't affect the rest of his life. Exactly. So uh, I hope he gets well. I hope, you know, I hope he can resume his career at some point. And if that's in Miami, he's a hell of a player. So I just don't know what to, to think about it all. I don't expect to see him back in Miami. And I, just, I hope he gets better. No, I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> well, I just think- I'm trying to be nice here, Mike. Well, you know, it's just it, when you come out and you, and you make those kind of accusations, you're really parting yourself from the team, you know? Yeah. Uh, they haven't done it yet. They're not going to do it until it's time to do it. But I, I don't see them uh, bringing him back. I yeah, just don't see that happening. They're definitely, with as much cap trouble as they're in this year, they're definitely not cutting him pre-June 1st, which would right. be the 14.8. So it'll be after June 1st. It'll be post that. And- well, they, they can do it and, and label it an after June 1st cut. So it's just a matter of when they do it. I think they have to wait until the new league year starts. Yeah, yeah. But in any case, we'll see what happens there. A lot of interesting stuff. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, nothing earth shattering. Uh, a lot of this we we kind of figured for ourselves. But you know, I mean, they're, they they're really talking like they are going to do something with Tua in, in the way of signing him. The question is whether or not they give him a long term contract. I think that's really the question. Yeah, uh, I, I do think they're going to give him the fifth-year option. I think they do as well. And honestly, if what he's doing this offseason can help protect him moving forward, then there's no reason that he doesn't get a long-term contract, regardless of what a lot of fans think. Um, and, you know, unless he just completely falls apart on the field and not because of injury. That's going to be the big thing if he gets to stay healthy is rather he is the guy who we've seen versus San Francisco and the Chargers. Or if he's the guy that we've seen in the previous six weeks and he was tearing up the league, right? I, there are a couple of things that I think that he needs to do in, in, in including the jujitsu. And I think he needs to get into some weight training. You know, there's still, he still has some misses on some long balls and underthrows some guys. And I think some weight training would help him there. And I, man, stay in the, stay in the film room. My man I'm sure he's going to work on on, on uh, improving his his throwing. I you know I I'm not my biggest problem with his long ball is is he's just not dropping it in the bucket. Okay, you know they're they're having to stop and wait for it or yeah. it's off target. You know, yeah. Uh, and that that to me is a problem. And the other problem is that you know outside the hash in the intermediate area of the field, he's he's not quite as accurate there. Yep. Um, and, and the arm isn't as strong there as, it, as maybe it could be. You know, he, he's never going to have a Josh Allen arm, you know, <laughs> and throw with that velocity. So you can't expect that. Absolutely but, not. But, but you have to expect a little better than what he's produced this past year. Yeah, and, and really, when you see him, uh, he's not a big, strong, physically no. imposing fella, and he can definitely use some strength t- training to get stronger. And if he improves that arm strength, and that that arm shows it on the field. I man, he could be deadly. He can. You know, really it's also be possible, Daniel, that some of it has to do with his hips, though. I, you know what, I I totally agree with that. I I've used that excuse over the first two years of his contract. Um, I am I'm at this point. I think that his hip has got to be right. Um, but oh, I'm not saying it's not right. But what I'm saying is it might be as right as it's going to get. Yeah, and so I was just going to say that it 
it it probably didn't come back to pre-injury status and honestly I still see some twitch in his mind when when he's uh when he's getting ready to take a hit I think that he's got some PTSD there's yeah. there's the potential let me rephrase that there's the potential that he has some PTSD from that injury because it was bad and it was career threatening and he almost didn't make it out of it so well I, I'm sure that was not a pleasant experience for him mm-hmm. let's put it that way <laughs> No, it's the same I, injury. I wouldn't that, want to have to go through it. That's that's a tough recovery. That's the same injury that ended Bo Jackson's career. Yeah. You know? But that there there were reasons for that. Uh the reason it didn't ruin Tua's was because they were on it immediately. Well, and medicine has taken a step forward since Yeah, Bo. but that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. They they were able to get the the uh hip back in joint, okay? And that way they don't lose the blood flow to the area with Jackson. He lost blood flow to that area and that's what did him in. Yeah necropathy or whatever that's called yeah whatever they call it yeah so you know yeah as time goes on we learn and you know they learned that in that particular injury you've got to be on it right away because if not you will do long-term damage to the joint yeah bone nose hip injuries yep oh boy can't can't believe i just went there bone knows a lot of things but uh (laughs) i shouldn't have went there yep (laughs) <laughs> so, all right, Daniel, that's all I got for today. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, man, I'm good. I'm looking forward to seeing some of this combine action and, uh, you know, hearing all of the everything about every person that we're going to draft. That's going to be exciting. I uh, look forward to, <laughs> to getting back here with you next week. Yeah, we'll have some fun. I think uh, Jim Johnson may come back and join us next week. What do you always say? Get the band back Get together. Get the band back together, right. Yes, sir. Jimmy? Ryan's out of town. Lewis is out of town. So that's the way it goes. I'm in town. I'm in town, baby. You guys are going to yep. look forward to listening to me. All right. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Daniel, for joining me this evening. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll be back next week. And until then, fins up. Fins up. All right, that's today's show. I just want to remind everyone that the Fin Fans podcast is proud to be part of DolphinsTalk.com podcast network and the Pigskin podcast network. Check out these sites, guys. There's lots of podcasts and information there that you'll enjoy. All right, until next time, be well and take care.